Good morning. How is everyone? This side sounds like you're awake. This we need a little bit more over here, guys. Ready? Good morning, everyone. Better, better. Probably you're wondering why are two people up there during a preaching time? Well, um, this is Ben Dishman. Ben Dishman, actually, yeah. Ben Dishman grew up in this church, and I got to be a part of his like student ministry on the tail latter end of those years. And um, anyway, say it in front of all these people, you're killing it, week in, week out. Thank you for what you do for our students, parents. You should thank him all the time because he's amazing. Really, truly. Does anyone have a tissue or? <laughs> yes, all that. But here's the, here's the next piece of it. Ben did something really stupid. <laughs> Just gonna be dead honest. And I thought with being asked to preach during this Brave series, Ben, you can set it up. What are we about to watch? Um, whenever, on my 23rd birthday, which was years ago, um, I decided to pay good money to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> And um, it was nerve-wracking, um, less for me than for the person we surprised it with. It. He didn't know. We were just going on a road trip. And um, it was fun. I was just, you know, got to get this off the bucket list. Um, now I feel kind of like my life has peaked and everything's, bo like, boring now. But anyway, um, and it was a great time. It was fun. I was, I, obviously, I survived. Um, but it was nerve-wracking. Our one-and-a-half-hour lesson was shortened to 30 minutes. Um, I wasn't necessarily put at ease by my instructor who said he just does this as a hobby. Um, and uh, he said, hey, we have to hurry up because there's a storm cloud coming in and lightning's bad in the air. And I'm like, we can reschedule or <laughs> anything. But it was nerve-wracking experience, but I'll talk more after. But um, you'll see that uh, I've probably put on 40 pounds and the beard does a lot for me. But um, we can just go ahead and show it. Watch this video. disappointed about that but I'm not. <laughs> you did excellent man. Thanks for coming out. Thank you for not killing me. I appreciate it. Okay that one part I gotta ask you the one part when he puts you in the window and you're like that's death and then you fall out like what's going through your mind anybody in here wanting to ever do that you're like you're okay so listen to this all right what's going through my mind whenever we were there is he said three but I don't know where three went and so um, it was one, two, and um, a few things. One is the moment that I fell out of the plane was the moment that complete and total dependence was exclusively on him. It was completely an exclusive, exclusive on his ability to get me there and that he doesn't pass out. And so, <laughs> but before that, I could like, okay, I can back out. I can, you know, go somewhere else. I could say, no, I don't want to do this. I can ask for a refund. But at the point that I fell out of that plane, my dependence was completely exclusive on his capabilities and his experience. Mm -hmm. And so there was nothing else that I could do but fall. 
And so the fact that a storm was coming in was irrelevant. The fact that we were flying through the air was irrelevant. All that's left to do now is for him to do his job. Wow. So. Y'all give it up for Ben Dishman for being brave enough to do that and to speak it. I love you, bud. Thank you. So some of you are like, what in the world does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, if you look at your guide, uh, there is someone who's doing the other dumb thing that Ben did and obviously jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. And here's the deal. Here's where we're going with that this morning. I love how Ben said it. Is that once he jumped out, once he took that huge leap, there was nothing else that he could do about it. Like he was completely dependent. That is a beautiful picture of what faith in God is. If you're here today and you think it's faith plus or faith and, you think it's Jesus plus and then add in all of these other components, it is Jesus and only Jesus. It is faith in God and only God. It is his word or no word. And so when you begin to put all of those pieces together, um, I don't know that you necessarily prayed uh, and got clarity to jump out of a plane, I don't know, but I would easily do that if I knew that my, if I wasn't jeopardizing my family and insurance policies, and I would so do it. No, I wouldn't. Maybe. My, on my best day, I did, and it wasn't nearly as good as yours, and that's why I brought you up, but I did, I bungee jumped one time. Seven stories, and that was enough. That was enough. But here's the deal. Today, if you're here, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you the tough question. What plane do you need to jump out of today? What plane, what, what circumstance, what situation do you need to just free fall and trust that God is there, that he has your best interest in mind, that he cares deeply for you enough to help you not just jump out, but to land and to begin to live for him that's where we need to be. So with all that being said this morning, I feel like we need to stand and read God's word this morning. So get, grab your Bibles, and we're gonna be in Luke chapter seven this morning. Luke chapter seven, there's three stories that are mixed into this one chapter and, and each one of them. Uh, we could go weeks on each one of them, and I'm gonna try and cram it in in about 25 minutes, if you'll let me. But look, read with me in Luke chapter seven, starting in verse one, the story of Jesus healing the centurion's servant. It says this, when he had completed all his discourse in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. And a centurion slave who is highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. When he had heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, he is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. Jesus, now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him, turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. Let's pray. God, this morning, Oh, Father, that you would 
show yourself in such a way that everyone who is here today, if they're struggling in some area of faith, God, that they, they would hear your voice. Like they would, they would jump out of whatever plane that's been holding them after, out of whatever circumstance or situation and that they would free fall into your love and your grace to the point where they would completely surrender to you. God, as we talk through these three stories, two of them dealing with near death and death experiences, God, uh, another one dealing with questioning and doubt, I just pray that, that in all of this, that if there's someone here this morning that's struggling, and they're struggling with their faith, they're struggling maybe with a diagnosis of, of, of something uh, with their own bodies or something with uh, someone in their family or close friend, that God, in all of this, that they would just trust you, that they would hold on in faith, knowing that ultimately you've got this. So God, be with us in this time. Thank you for a great time of worship so far. God, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross so that I would not do or say anything that would lead anyone away from you, but only to you, closer to you. Hide me today. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. You're the reason that we're here today. And because of the power, three days later, that you rose victoriously from the grave, that is the power by which we get to live our lives each and every day. For those of us in this room who have forgotten that Jesus is no longer in the grave, help us to remind, be reminded today that we serve a risen Savior. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray, amen. You may be seated. Here's the deal. I don't know if you've ever looked at faith, if you've ever tried to come up with a place, a way to kind of remember it or whatever, but so many people today think that faith is just a feeling, they think it's a whim, maybe even a pipe dream. Some people look at your faith and they just say, isn't that a crutch really to make you feel better, spiritually, emotionally? And I don't know if you've ever been asked that, but here's the deal, faith is none of those things but all of those things. Like faith, like, like when I can't walk on my own, faith is that crutch that keeps me up and at them. It helps me to keep going. Like faith is not a whim at all. Faith is not a pipe dream. It is hope. It is everything that we should be living our lives by. But here's a one way to look at it. If you look at it, faith is forsaking all I trust him. I'm sure many of you have heard that before, but forgetting everything else. Forgetting everything else, anything that, that someone may have taught you that was contrary to scripture. Forgetting all of that, I trust him. And so today, maybe you come at life with, with a whole bunch of different attitudes or behaviors or beliefs or whatever, forsaking, forgetting all of that today, realizing I need to trust him. Faith is doing that. A.W. Tozer said this, I do not recall another period when faith was as popular as it is today. If only we believe hard enough, we'll make it somehow. So goes the popular chant. What you believe is not important, only believe. <laughs> what is overlooked in all this is that faith is good only when it engages truth. When it is made to rest upon falsehood, it can and often does lead to eternal tragedy. For it is not enough that we believe, we must believe the right thing about the right one. And so some of you, maybe you've heard all of these different things about, about what right and true and all of those things are, and maybe today you're trying to figure out, okay, how does that all come together? Here's the greatest news. It's not brain surgery. It's not, it's not a, a stretch of the imagination at all. All of it comes together in Jesus Christ. All of it, all of scripture from the beginning of time, God's plan was Jesus. 
God's plan was you and Jesus in a tight relationship together so very much that it would honor God so that you would not just get to heaven someday, but that you get to live in a right, truthful, honest, incredible, real, authentic relationship with him. That was it, that's plan A, no need for plan B. And so today, whatever uh, other airplane you've been flying in, whatever other thing you've been trying to add to Jesus, he needs no other gospel, he needs no other support, he stands alone, he is the supreme ruler of the universe, he is all in all that we need. And so if you've been looking at it, these three stories today may help you with maybe one of your life circumstances. We read the verses, so out of verses one through 10, I want you to understand today that brave faith and humility finds honor with the Savior. I don't know about in your life, but I, I really try my best to live a life of honor. Like it's hard at times to live in humility. It's hard to, at times because so many people are vying for your attention. Uh, lots of this world would love for you to fall and crumble so often. But to, to find someone who lives a life of faith and humility, if you're struggling with that and you're, you're doing your best to live in that direction, just know that that kind of life, it does find honor with the Savior. We see that. Um, but the other piece of it too is, every one of us in this room, we are living the God story of our lives. My wife would be so proud of me in that um, as an eighth grade English teacher, she talks so much about what a good story has. And so we've got three good stories to look at. So you've got a setting. That's the, the where and the when, the location of, of how the story or where the story unfolds. Then you've got the characters. Cool thing is in your story, you're the character. Like you get to be one of the main characters of what God is doing. But just so you know that the, the leading role in all of our lives, if it's you, your life is probably jacked up today. If it's you then, then, and you've kind of been going and doing your own thing, then your, your life may be today messed up and far away from God. But if you will allow Jesus to be the central focus of your life, to be the main character, the lead supporting role, if you will give him all of that, then I promise you things could turn. But then you also have this plot. What's the plot? It's the series of events. And some of you are like, man, I wish I could have changed the series of events of my life. Cool thing is you can't. You can't change the past. But with Jesus, man, there's so much new direction for your future, but the things of your past, man, you get to show people the plot of my life was going this direction, and then look, conflict, climax. We, there was this incredible thing that happened in my life. Jesus stepped into my life. Someone told me about Jesus. Someone changed uh, my course by showing me who Christ was. And then the resolution is your salvation. The resolution is you no longer had to continue to go in that direction. Your marriage did not have to continue to crumble. Like you got to focus it on who Christ was and then he resolved that issue in your life. He resolved the issue. Can I see in this room, who are the believers of Jesus Christ? Can I just see who I'm talking to today? So it doesn't mean that your life story is over. The resolution happened in that you came to know Christ. He intervened in your life in a huge way. So now, keeping that whole thing in place, let's look at this, verses one through 10. Here's the setting, he went to Capernaum, verse one of Luke chapter seven. And then here's some of the character development, the centurion slave who was highly regarded by him. He was sick and about to die. How many of you have ever been in a circumstance or a situation, you don't have to raise your hand, but you were with someone and, and, and the grave circumstances looked as if they were about to die. Many of you know I went through about 90 days of my dad being in ICU. 
It was tough times, like the drive from, from either here or from my house in those 90 days, just going back and forth to check on him. Every moment, just about of every day, man, God, just heal him. God, get him out of that bed. God, help him. Like that, that's, that's a legitimate prayer that all of us would have. And so um, I was praying, man, God, um, just, just help him. Just get him up. Just get him at him. Just get him back into, because my whole family, like we loved this man. He was incredible. And so, so we all have probably come to those places where, where we wanted God to step in where we wanted him. So the plot, someone needed saving. When he had heard about Jesus, he didn't send himself, he didn't go. He didn't feel worthy enough to go is how the story unfolds. But he sent some Jewish leaders. He said, hey, he's a Jew, I'll send some Jewish leaders. And maybe they can ask him, maybe they could, could, could really entice him to come back. And so when they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him. And some of you have earnestly implored God on behalf of a lost friend, someone who doesn't come to church, someone that you know has never professed faith in Christ. You've written their names on these walls and probably maybe for some of them, they're the same names that you wrote last year. But when's the last time that you implored God on behalf of someone else, that you begged, like you literally got on the side of your bed or, or driving to work that you, you, you just implored God on behalf of someone. That's what these guys did. Man, beautiful picture of these guys going and saying, hey, you need to help this guy. This guy helped us. This guy is amazing. Could you come and help him? And then so uh, when, Jesus came, uh, when they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored, he is worthy for you to grant this to him. Verse five, for he loves our nation and it is he who built us our synagogue. Verse six, now Jesus started on his way with them and when he was not far off, here's the conflict conflict, his humility, like, like he, his humility didn't get in the way, but, but it was sitting there and he was like, man, God, uh, Jesus, you don't have to come into my house. Like I believe from afar. Some of you, you have to, like you're waiting to see Jesus do something before you have that kind of faith. Some of you in this room, like, like you're so scientific in, in life and, and, and uh, maybe you're engineering type. And so you've got to see all of this stuff before you see Jesus. Cool thing about this guy and he didn't even have to see him in person. He had heard about it. He had seen it maybe. Jesus had done something amazing in, in these other people's lives to the point where, man, I really do love and, and, and honor my servant, so I want Jesus to step in. I, I, I need him to do this. And so he didn't have to see it himself, but he was able to hear it. And so some of you today, man, you've had people who have been trying to encourage you, who, people who've been trying to speak truth into you, people who have tried to share Christ with you. Maybe today you would just look at their lives that you would hear this story and you would say, I'm gonna just place all of my faith and all of my trust today. I'm gonna quit the doubting. I'm gonna quit all of those things. I'm just gonna trust. Man, beautiful character development in all of this. Verse seven, for this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Here's the deal. Too many church people think that God owes them something. Like you think just because you showed up here on, I've, I've gone through those stages. And God, I'm on staff. God, you owe me something. I, I teach for you. And what God has continually, perpetually showed me time and time again, I love you, but I don't owe you anything. He gave us everything that we need for life and godliness through his son, Jesus Christ. And what I try to encourage our students with all the time, if he never does another good thing for you, he is still a great God because of what he did for us on the cross. So if you need Jesus and, or if you need Jesus plus, then guess what? That's a tough place to be in because you might not get it. But if you can come to the place today where you realize it's Jesus and nothing else, 
It's Jesus and I get to be in a relationship with God and I get heaven someday. And when I get to heaven, it's not about the streets of gold. It's I get to be in his presence 24 seven. It's all about what I was created to do and to be. Some of you show up, you don't always get into the worship stuff, then guess what? You might not like heaven because that's what we gonna do. Just telling you, that's what we gonna do. Like if you think it's golf every day, 24 seven, you need to read the Bible. Golf's not in the Bible, okay? I wish volleyball was, I love volleyball. I wish football was, it's not in the Bible, okay? So it was all about who God is in our life. So you've got this very important person who's imploring to have something done for what we would probably say maybe a least, a lesser important person. Who are those people in your life that you need to implore God for? That's what the centurion did. Beautiful, beautiful picture. And so look at verse nine. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and he turned and said to the crowd, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such a great faith. And he's looking at the people that that he sent to get him. He's looking at all the people around him and go, hey, all y'all missing it. This dude's got it. And it's called faith. It's called faith. And if if you've been trying to do anything else other than build up your faith, You are missing the mark on it. Look at verse 10. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave dead. No. They found that dude in good health. I really wish that this version would have said in great health. That gives even more power to the punch. When they showed up, he's probably sitting up. He's probably having a little something to drink, maybe a little something to eat. All of a sudden, the person that they remembered seeing before, now this servant, he is being served. And they're saying, hey, how can we help this dude out? Because God just saved, Jesus just saved him. Healed him, beautiful picture there. So the second part, not only is it brave faith and humility finds honor with the Savior, that's great stuff. Write this one down. Broken hearts find compassion with the Savior. I don't know if you're here today and you've been brokenhearted over some things. And I, I don't know if you're struggling today. Your heart's broken. I don't know if a relationship uh, went bad. I don't know if stuff at work is going crazy. I don't know if you've been trying like crazy to pray for your own kids. I don't know what it is, but I know this. When I read this next, these next verses to you, broken hearts find compassion with the Savior. Look at verse 11. Soon afterwards, he went to the city called Nain. Verse 12, now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out. So Jesus walks up on a funeral that's happened. Uh, uh, I love Sharon said this morning that, that when Jesus shows up to the funeral and Jesus touches the casket of the person in the funeral, uh, the funeral's over. The funeral is over. Look at it. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. She's, she's already lost her husband. Now she's lost her only son, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. Now, anybody else tells you not to weep at a funeral, you can slap them. Funeral is one of those places, it is quite all right for you to weep and to mourn because we miss those loved ones, those friends. But when Jesus, if Jesus shows up at your funeral and Jesus tells you not to weep, then there's something good coming. Look at it says this, and he came up and he touched the coffin and the bearers (laughs) came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Verse 15, the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus, I love this, gave him back to his mother. Beautiful picture of what Jesus does in compassion. Doesn't say anything about this mom and and that she implored Jesus to come, that she implored, like for us, death 
Death, at least life on this planet, death is pretty final, right? As far as you and me and being able to have a conversation with somebody, death is usually the final blow as far as the relationship here. The good thing about those of us who are believers, we get what? We get to go and live all of eternity in heaven, right? We all understand that, I hope, I pray. Like we, we need to, okay? But in this moment, she's looking at this situation. She's at a funeral. More times than not, have, I've never been to a funeral where someone in the gray, or in the coffin not to be let out. If you have, you need to come preach because <laughs> you've got a way more powerful story than I do. Uh, as much as I wanted my mom and my dad to come back to life, even the, the night that my dad passed away, as tough as a night as that was, the nurse, she came in after, uh, or he came in actually, it was, a, it was a guy nurse, he came in and um, he said, Mr. Wells, I'm really sorry for your loss. And I, looked, I was able to, at that point in time, uh, to look at that, that young man and to say, there was a reunion in heaven that my dad got to have, not just with Jesus, which was the greatest of all reunions, but with my mom. And one taste of being there for everything that he could have ever wanted, dreamed of, or imagined on this planet, he would never have said, let me step foot back down there again. Man, as believers, we get to have that kind of faith. And if you don't have that kind of faith in those tough moments, man, when those tough moments come, what are you gonna rely on? Like, what do you have? What's your fallout plan? Like, what, what, are, you gonna, what are you gonna hold on to? And the only thing that I had in, in the two people that I loved the most growing up in my life, my mom and my dad, huge respect for them. But when their time came, the only thing that I had, I didn't have them to hold on to anymore. I had my wife and I had great other family members, but it was Jesus. And many of my family are in this room today and I know uh, that they held on to Jesus during those times. There's no one else like there are great people that spoke truth and love into my life during that time, but keep doing that. But it's not near what I could get from Jesus. And so Jesus, with compassion, he looks at the tears of a mom. I could not imagine losing one of my kids. I could not imagine that. But Jesus, with compassion, he saw her tears. So in that moment, her tears, seeing Jesus, that became her faith. And Jesus saw it and he was moved with compassion enough to stop the funeral dead in its path and to say, hey, wake up. Beautiful picture. Some of you are sitting there and you're going, man, I wish Jesus would have shown up at this funeral or that funeral. Man, we don't get that luxury. But we get to live from this point on knowing that that kind of power, that kind of, of power is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, is the same power by which Jesus could do that, is the same power by which you could go to work tomorrow and begin to share Christ with those people who if you don't step in the way or someone doesn't step in the way, their funeral may not end so well. Their funeral may not end so well. But you get to go and be that example. Broken hearts find compassion with the Savior, so much to the point where Jesus says, arise. And then he gives this son back to his mom. You see in all of the character development there, a widow, a dead son, Jesus, the setting is this funeral. The plot, man, Jesus' pity on this woman, his compassion moved him to move. And then the conflict in this one, someone's already dead. 
The only one that can step in in a biblical way and do this is Jesus. And it's so beautiful how he does it here. And then verse 15, the resurrection, Jesus raises him from the dead. Beautiful picture again. Jesus is the only one that can do that. But of course, in verse 16 and 17, fear gripped them all. You've been to a funeral? If that were to happen at your funeral, you're gonna be tripping out. I would. If that would happen at my dad's, one, I would have been stoked, excited. I would have been doing cartwheels. I would have been amazing. But the first thing, fear gripped them all. Look at it. Verse, uh, verse 16, fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us. <laughs> Way more than a prophet. Still, some of them are missing the mark. This dude can actually raise the dead. Um, if you go to a funeral and Jesus walks in and the dead person uh, wakes up and begins to talk, follow that Jesus, okay? Follow that Jesus, he's awesome. Uh, God has visited his people and then look, this report concerning him went out over all Judea and in all the surrounding district. Jesus gets the glory and the honor, even when someone is dead and comes back to life, spiritually, you were dead. Those of you who raised your hand earlier, you were dead. You came back to life. Spiritually, you were resurrected for a brand new life. So what is it that you're waiting on from God? If you know spiritually dead, now alive, you crossed over from death to life, what more do you need to be empowered to live your life? What license, what more of a license do you need to go and to be his voice, to encourage other people? What more are you looking for? Maybe today, this last one, brave questions find answers with the Savior. Some of you are like, you're afraid to ask God questions. You're like, man, if I ask God this question, is he, what's he, how's it, he's gonna answer it. Like he is a big God. And even your biggest question to him, I promise you, he will put people in your path to help out. He'll put people, he'll put uh, John Metter on this stage on any given Sunday. If you'll pray and say, God, man, I really want the answer to this. Uh, it might just be that John Metter answers it from this stage on some given Sunday and you're sitting there and you're taking notes. He'll put anything in your path to be able to teach you. So brave questions find answers with the Savior. What question is it that you have of God today? Ask him. Ask him. Look what happens here in verse 18. The disciples of John reported to him about all of these things. All of these things, what's been going on? So John's in, in prison at this point in time. And then verse 19, summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord saying, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? Verse 20, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John sent us to you to ask, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? Big question. Again, looking at the setting and the characters, here's John the Baptist uh, hearing all of this fame and, and stuff that Jesus is doing. And now he just wants to ask one final question. Probably with everything that's been going on in John's life at this point in time, maybe some doubts, some, some tough circumstances have creeped in. And so here's the deal, the question, the plot, calls two to go and ask and then they throw John under the bus. It's not us asking, John wants to know Jesus. Are you the one? So look, the find or the ask in verse 20. When the man came to Jesus, they asked him, John sent us to ask you, are you the one to come? Here's the crazy thing to me is so many church members sit Sunday after Sunday, week in and week out. You hear all of these amazing stories of what God has done. You've, hear, you, you've heard, maybe you, you saw Kessa get baptized today. You've seen others get baptized. You've seen others live by faith. You've seen all of these things. What's holding you? 
What's keeping you from growing in your faith? What's keeping you from taking your next step? What's keeping you from sitting in a, in a classroom setting when you know that you have the ability to engage and love and encourage kids or teenagers or, or to be able to even change diapers so that other young parents can, can be in this room and, and to worship? What's keeping you from doing those things? Whatever that is, jump out of that plane. Some of you think it's age. Age is not one of those predictors. <laughs> If you woke up this morning, you got breath and you got pulse, God's not done with you. By faith, he's got way more of the story to be written. You don't like the plot, you don't like the setting, you don't like those things, guess what? You and God, it's a pretty dynamic duo. You can change those things. You don't have to live in the same circumstances day in and day out. Students, you've grown up maybe in a house where you don't like how mom and dad have done something or you don't like this or that. You don't have to follow in that same cycle. Many of you get up Sunday after Sunday and you come to church and they don't come with you. You're changing your circumstances. You're trusting God. You're doing amazing in that vein. You don't have to stay in your same circumstances. The plot twists with Jesus. It does. The character development until you are dead and gone, the character development never stops. The character development never stops. And some of you got to begin to develop that character so that when your day does come, when the day of your funeral comes, there maybe needs to be some character development in your life to the point that something needs to change so that the pastor who preaches your service does not have to lie about you. What needs to happen? What legacy are you leaving for your kids? What are you teaching them? What are the things that you care about? Is your golf score more important than dinner at home with the kids? All of those things, they matter when it comes to your faith and leaving that legacy. How big, how strong, how bold is your faith? You've got questions that need to be answered. Some of you have been, you've been questioning God for so many years. Stop and listen and hear what he has to say to you. If there's something that needs to be uh, Forgiven, if there's something that needs to be confessed, today, now is the time, not tomorrow, not next week or next year. Some of you, maybe you need to make amends with the person that you live with. Maybe there's something in your past that, that you've allowed to creep in and, and now your relationship isn't the same that it used to be. Maybe for some of you, you feel like your kids don't listen to you, to you anymore. Those are all things that can change. The plot twists with Jesus. So what are you asking him? Man, John's asking a tough question, and then Jesus does this. <laughs> Says that that very time Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. Verse 22, so he replied to the messengers, go back, report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. The plot twists with Jesus. Man, I'm sure they were able to run back and go, he's the real deal. He, he's amazing. This is what happened in front of my very eyes. So many of you, you've had things that have happened in front of your very eyes time and time again, yet you still lack faith. What will it take? What else is it that you're looking for today? If the story of, of a widow uh, having her son given back to her, like some of you are like, I wasn't there. You don't have to be there to know that it happened. 
Some of you are like, man, I wish that God would have done that for me. I do too. I do too. But he didn't. My mom and my dad are in heaven today. I, I wish they were here, but I would not take them back for everything that they get to experience there. So what is it? What is it that you're so mad at God about that you can't just tell him? What is it that you are so easily offended when it comes to church or living by faith that you wouldn't at least be willing to try it and to see what God does with it? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes here for a second. This is an incredible time of, the, of, of any worship service. It really is, it's where, it's where God begins, uh, or, or maybe even begins to, to finish kind of that, that moving work of, of trying to craft people and, and, and kind of like surgery. Like, like you don't want the doctor to finish, right, until he's done. And so like this, if God's moving in your heart and in your life, there are people that are gonna come forward. There are people that would love nothing more than to answer your tough questions about faith. There are people who will be here to be able to, to walk you into a relationship with Christ and how that looks and, and where we go with that. But so often the very ones that keep us from finding out more of those answers, it's not God, it's you, it's me. And so today, and it started, it started with a great time of worship, sang some amazing songs in worship. As we opened up scripture today, you've heard three great stories of what faith looks like and what Jesus can do. How can he fix your story? How can he change the plot in order to get you back on the right path of showing others what faith is all about. Forsaking, forgetting everything behind, moving towards what is ahead. I'm trusting him for everything, my finances, my relationships. It may be today that you need to bring your family down to the front. Moms, dads, maybe you haven't taken those spiritual leadership moments to, to really love on them. Today is that day to seize those moments back and to say, hey, we've got to do better by this. Maybe husband, you need to grab your uh, wife and, and love on her today. Maybe come and pray with her. I don't know what the circumstances and the situations are. Maybe you've got a friend in the room and they haven't been a friend for a while because you allowed something to come between you. And it's really hard to take the bread and the cup when there's those kinds of things that are brewing out here. In fact, Jesus says that we shouldn't do that, right? So if you did that today in vain, then maybe, just maybe, you would go and fix whatever that is. The stuff is still down here. And maybe do it in a right manner before you leave today. Again, I don't know what's going on in everybody's life, but I know this. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are nine people down front. And their sole job in the next five, 10, 15 minutes is to help lovingly help you take your next steps in your faith with Jesus Christ. And if that's a first step towards him today, so be it. If it's your next step, you say, man, I wanna help serve, and I, I know I need to give, I know I need to do better by Jesus. Whatever that looks like, that's what these people are here for today. I'm gonna pray us into this last 
in these last few moments, when I'm done praying, you feel free to bring your family forward. You feel free to come talk to any one of these. You feel free if you didn't take the bread and the, the cup earlier, then come and do that before you leave today. But do it in the right manner so that it actually means something and honors the Lord. God, today, thank you for the opportunity to be able to be a voice for you. God, I am... God, I'm so honored that you get to, that you allow me to get to speak for you. That you have helped me so much through losing loved ones, God, through helping raise two beautiful girls that I, I don't always have the answer. Not being the best husband. <laughs> But in all of that, somehow, God, you continue to steer us towards who you are. God, I've seen it time and time again in counseling sessions with students and adults that you're the one that can fix it. You're the one that can help. You're the only one that can put us back on the right path. You're the only one that can answer our tough questions. You're the only one that can heal. God, I pray that we would just in our lives that we would move towards, like Kessa said, even wanting to repay you with the worship of our very lives, that we would be moved to, to be baptized, that we would be moved to go and love and to serve, that we would be moved to take those steps forward with our salvation simply because of all that you've done for us. Help us to be brave with our faith Help us to jump out of whatever plane has been flying around and flying around and not getting us anywhere. Help us to jump out of that plane by faith and to land in the arena of whatever it is that you have for us. So God, in these next few moments, would you allow your people who need to talk, need to get things right, would you allow them to move to the front and to talk? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. For without you, all of this is meaningless. And because you were raised from the grave, you give us all the power by, we, by which we get to live our lives each and every day. God, help us. Be our encouragement. We love and trust you for the days that are ahead. Give us all that we need for life and godliness. Speak to us. Be our encouragement. It's in your name that we pray.